You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. Our third lesson, preparing to read now John Paul II's Redemptor Hominus, is John Paul II as philosopher. We have covered that he was from Poland and a poet. Now let's turn to philosophy. Pope Benedict in his book, My Beloved Predecessor, in reflecting on the unity and mission and purpose in life of John Paul II, says his philosophy is distinctive because it's a way of thinking and dialogue with the concrete, founded on the great tradition, but always in search of confirmation and present reality. It's a form of thought that springs from an artist's gaze, and at the same time is guided by a pastor's care. This comprehension of man beginning not from abstractions and theoretical principles, but seeking to grasp his reality with love was and remains decisive for the Pope's thought. End of quote. That is such an incisive and useful description of John Paul II's philosophical dimension. He turns to the concrete in order to supplement his study of St. Thomas and the abstract quality of his work. As a matter of fact, you could say his whole project was to combine Thomism and its objective truth with the supplementation by phenomenology, which brings the concrete and the subjective to enhance the objective truth. So yes, it was by providence, Cardinal Ratzinger said, a philosopher came to the Sea of Peter because his philosophy was not from a textbook, but he meets the challenge of reality in man's quest for questioning. I read that in the last lesson. Before Vatican II, philosophy was often taught only through textbook Thomism and could be very abstract and rote. So Cardinal Ratzinger said, quote, the form of philosophy presented in the theological schools was lacking in perceptual richness. It lacked phenomenology and the mystical dimension was missing, end of quote. I met a priest at Sacred Heart Seminary who told me in the old days, he was told not to read Thomas Aquinas, just to memorize the Latin formulas and recite them back. It's important to see that Cardinal Wotiwa had a distinct philosophy as a way of thinking, which is the dialogue with the concrete. So Cardinal Ratzinger said there are many elements in his philosophy, the metaphysical, the mystical, the phenomenological, and aesthetic. He said that leads, quote, to open his eyes to the many dimensions of reality. And that's the source of the richness of his philosophy. End of quote. So this is an important thing we need to see, that John Paul II went after ordination to study St. Thomas at the Angelicum, where Thomism was taught by Garigou Lagrange, one of the greatest Thomists of the 20th century, 
He directed John Paul II's dissertation, which was on St. John of the Cross, adding the mystical dimension to the Thomistic foundations that John of the Cross himself used. But he went on when he returned to Krakow to study phenomenology and wrote another dissertation on Max Scheler. Whether the phenomenological method could be used for Christian ethics. He was very critical of Max Scheler, as he was of Husserl and phenomenology. He always retained his Thomism and his devotion to objective truth and to strive for the objective formulation of truth. But it was combining, supplementing Thomism with the phenomenological and the aesthetic that characterized his work. In an early work called The Person, Subject, and Community, Cardinal Wotiwa explained the reason why he took his distinctive approach in his great work, The Acting Person, which combines phenomenology and Aristotelian philosophy. He said, quote, the subjectivity of the human person is a problem of paramount philosophical importance today. It's connected to the appreciation of human dignity, he said. Quote, the problem of the subjectivity of the person imposes itself today as one of the central ideological issues that lie at the very basis of human practice, morality, culture, civilization, and politics. Philosophy comes into play in its essential function as an expression of the basic understandings and ultimate justifications. The need for such understanding and justifications always accompanies humankind and its sojourn on earth, but it's especially intense at certain moments in history where there is great confrontation and crisis. End of quote. That confrontation he spoke about at Orchard Lake is why philosophy is important to confront Marxism, to confront the liberalism of the West and its deficient philosophy of the person. That confrontation between a materialistic interpretation of life, which has as its disposal powerful means of indoctrination and social and cultural control, he saw in the Marxist Poland, but it's also true in the West. We must raise the question, quote, the truth about the human being should have a privileged place in the whole process, end of quote. Not cosmology or philosophy of nature was central, as was philosophical anthropology. So Redemptor Hominus is about the Redeemer of man. Man is the way of the church. And he thought phenomenology could enrich Thomistic philosophy to give a defense of what is irreducible in man and highlight the dignity of the person. In Acting Person, Wotiwa leads the reader to the rediscovery of conscience against materialism and totalitarian ideology, which degrades the person and leads to cultural deformations. Dedication to truth and moral truthfulness is the highest achievement of the person, he explains in The Acting Person. His concern with the acting person equipped him to do battle with Marxism 
but his great insights were derived from his deep personal interest in man and his education in the philosophy of Aristotle and St. Thomas. This initial seed burgeoned into a personal mission when Wotiwa found his calling. John Paul wrote that, When I discovered my priestly vocation, man became the central theme of my pastoral work, so philosophically and pastorally. In his poetry, he was interested in the human person. And that philosophers must do more than erect theories upon theories, or meta-theories as we call them today. But as a philosopher, he wanted to face the major issues concerning life, nature, and the existence of the human being, directly, as they present themselves to man. He didn't have time to waste with academic flourish. Descartes and modern philosophy have obscured the true nature of man, so action gives us a better way to see the human person and respond to the challenge that is posed by the experience of man in the existential problems in light of Marxism and totalitarianism and the philosophy of Locke and Western liberalism, which reduces human existence to a secular form. So a strategy is to emphasize philosophical anthropology, use phenomenological methods in order to offer a fresh discovery of the truth of Thomistic philosophy of the human person as a spiritual being with powers of intellect and will fulfilled by truth and love. He opens a way for the appreciation of conscience and the rediscovery of God. So to say man is the way of the church in Redemptor Hominus is followed on in Fides et Ratio when he praises modern philosophy for focusing attention upon man. With this starting point, he said, we've yearned to know more and more deeply about the human person. But modern philosophy has obscured the truth of being. He brings together a philosophy of being with a philosophy of the subject. In Fides et Ratio, he says, We have a crisis of truth because young people have no valid points of reference or fundamental principles. They are unsure whether they can discover the real meaning of life. And as a result, they stumble through life, he says, to the edge of the abyss. And John Paul II criticizes those responsible for this confusion. Educators, academicians. He exhorts philosophers to recover their original vocation, which is to give cultural expression and truth. Cultural expression to truth and not to prefer quick success to the toil of patient inquiry into what makes life worth living. He says philosophy should appeal to truth and have a responsibility to form thought and culture. But this is by recovering its original vocation, which is the love of wisdom, the search for truth. Now, this responsibility to give expression to truth includes philosophers, writers, artists, and teachers. And the goal of quick success is the bane of the Western Academy. 
that artists and academicians seek commercial success and popularity, and absent is the attention to truth. Why has this occurred? It's more than a moral disorder, although it is that too. It's ideological and cultural trends, pragmatism, technicism, historicism, subjectivism, all of which he discusses in Fides et Ratio, which will be another class we will offer. But in Redemptor Hominus, he does talk about these obstacles to the search for wisdom. We need to recover the Socratic way of life, as well as the divine calling. That's how we find the original vocation to philosophy, truth-seeking, using faith and reason. Love of truth is a motivation for true philosophy. And that sincere or true search is repeatedly mentioned by John Paul II in a manner worthy of Pascal. How does one generator recover the passion for truth, the search for God? This is a key question. There is a natural desire to know, a capacity for knowing truth, a natural desire for good, a capacity for loving what is good. But these capacities have been covered over, inhibited, and suppressed, in part by sin, but in part by the modern ideologies. Abandoning truth, despairing of truth, is the malaise of our time. In his earlier works, Wotiwa considered materialism and the ideology of work from communism as the great confrontation between the church and the anti-church. But by extension, we see it in the West now that the communism has collapsed. Our basic understandings and ultimate justifications still are absent as we play with pragmatism and worship technology and exalt a type of skepticism and nihilism. So John Paul in Fides et Ratio says the crisis of our time is a crisis of meaning. It runs broader and deeper than Marxist materialism. It arises from the fragmentation of knowledge, which is due to our specialization, which is a good thing, the specialization but not if it leads to the wilting of reason under the dead weight of these tasks and the constrictions of technological thinking. So how does one generate or recover the passion for truth? How do we call forth the desire for truth, the whole truth, to dare to rise to the truth of being, to activate and reactivate the desire to know and, and Redemptor Hominus will see that's what Christ restores to us, a link with wisdom and a link with love. But five strategies he will develop, including reconnecting philosophy to everyday life, the appreciation of tradition and community and dialogue and intellectual inquiry, the understanding of the human person in action, the exploration of ethical challenges of modern technology, and the integration of faith and reason and the unity of faith and life. These are all scattered throughout Redemptor Hominus and are great themes of his pontificate. But the first step must be to see the continuity between philosophy and the fundamental questions about human existence that arise in everyday life and are asked by common people in all cultures. 
John Paul II in the opening of Fides et Ratio discusses these. Concerns about death and love. Concerns about justice. Philosophers, that's why he said, must do more than erect theories on theories, but face these major issues. That was his early commitment to philosophy and why he was interested in personalism and phenomenology, but would go to St. Thomas for its deepest answers. In Redemptor Hominus, he will, he will talk about these concerns of modern man and turn to Christ as the answer. Philosophy helps to develop the questions. A second way is he emphasizes an appreciation for community that assists in forming a disposition to seeking the truth. In Fides et Ratio, again, he said that truth is attained not only by way of reason, but through trusting acquiescence to other persons who can guarantee authenticity and the certainty of truth itself. Reason needs to be sustained in all its searching by trusting dialogue and sincere friendship. A climate of suspicion and distrust which can beset speculative research ignores the teaching of the ancient philosophers who proposed friendship as a context for sound inquiry. And in Redemptor Hominus, we'll see the importance of faith and the Christian church community in its office of the prophet to speak the truth and cultivate the truth. The third and central strategy is to emphasize philosophical anthropology. This is the theme of, Rede of Redemptor Hominus. Yes, he will use phenomenological methods in order to offer fresh discovery and affirmation of the truths of Thomistic philosophy. His turn to phenomenology was motivated by this desire to enrich the truth so as to offer the best defense of what is irreducible in man and to highlight the dignity of the person. In the previous lesson when I talked about, he looked to the experience of the artist to affirm the principles of beauty, to rediscover conscience against materialism, totalitarian ideology, and utilitarianism. He wants to begin with the experiential and the phenomenological. This dedication to truth, as I mentioned, is the highest achievement of the acting person. And that's why this strategy of emphasizing philosophical anthropology, and as we'll see, ultimately theological anthropology. That's what Redemptor Hominus is about, is faith and reason, discovering the greatness of the human person redeemed by Christ. When John Paul II visited New Orleans, he said, today there exists an increasingly evident need for philosophical reflection on the truth about the human person. A metaphysical approach is needed as an antidote to intellectual and moral relativism. But what is required even more is fidelity to the Word of God to ensure that human progress takes into account the entire revealed truth of the eternal act of love in which the universe, and especially the human person, 
acquires ultimate meaning. The more one seeks to unravel the mystery of the human person, the more one becomes open to the mystery of transcendence. And the more one penetrates the divine mystery, the more one discovers the true greatness and dignity of human beings. End of quote. I can think of no better summary of redemptor hominess. Christ reveals man to man himself and makes his supreme calling clear as the theme of redemptor hominess. Well, let's go to the fourth strategy, and that is to consider how our technical capability demands a renewed and sharpened sense of ultimate values. Technology must be ordered to something greater than a utilitarian end, or it will soon prove to be inhuman and a potential destroyer of the human race. That's a quote from Fides et Ratio. Those very same sentiments and concerns are expressed in Redemptor Hominess, what modern man is afraid of is in our aspiration for freedom and the increase of power. These will recoil on ourselves and lead to further degradation and oppression. That's why we must always be sustained by the original vocation of the love of truth and the love of the good, what John Paul will call a philosophy consonant with the word of God. That is what Redemptor Hominus brings forward a philosophy consonant with the Word of God. His work on Humani Vitae, the culture of life, the protection of the dignity of the person, all spring from the modern challenge that technology needs guidance of wisdom. And we must seek the whole truth about man, not a partial or constricted one, as he says in Redemptor Hominus. The whole truth about man. And then fifth, we will see the importance of faith for reason. And we see that in Redemptor Hominus. The central claim of Fides et Ratio is that a lively and well-formed faith is one of the best ways to generate and recover the vocation of philosophy. Because revelation has set within history a point of reference. Indeed, he opens Redemptor Hominus, saying Jesus Christ is the center of history and the universe. That's the point of reference we need. That's the point of reference we need to generate reason, to generate art, to generate true community and justice. This mystery of Christ and the mystery of the human person in, in, inside of the mystery of Christ, you might say, or the mystery of Christ inside of the mystery of the person, is only unraveled and penetrated through faith. So revelation will be a lodestar, if you will, against that immanentist habit of mind, he says in Fides et Ratio, lifting up the heart and mind to something greater. So faith Theology is not the same as reason and philosophy, but they have a dynamic interplay in all the writings of John Paul II. The recovery of this vocation to search for wisdom is the result of the freedom that the mind experiences in embracing the fullness of the truth. 
So you could call it Christian philosophy. I think Wotiwa avoids that term, as did Maritan, just so that we understand it's not an ideology that comes from Christianity. It's philosophy forging ahead, as Maritan said, or philosophy open to the full range of wisdom. Why would one stop if wisdom is offered? The love of wisdom should propel us forward to truth in all its dimensions. There's a single search for truth that includes faith and reason. The mutual influence, the cooperation of faith and reason in this enterprise is the paramount teaching of the encyclical Fides et Ratio. Quote, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. That is how he wrote Redemptor Hominus, on the two wings of faith and reason. So the truth of Christ, he says, holds out to theology and philosophy alike the prospect of support, stimulation, and increase. That is fides et ratio, but you see it concretely in Redemptor Hominus. The teaching of Vatican II provided Pope John Paul II with a confident and dynamic agenda for his pontificate. We will later look in more depth at those two passages from Gaudium et Spes, which provide the key to his anthropology, the answer to human vocation or calling. They are the center points of Redemptor Hominus as a model for the vocation of philosophy and faith, John Paul II learns from Christ the true measure of man. Man, Christ reveals man to man himself and makes his supreme calling clear. So in Fides et Ratio, he says, this is a constant reference point in his teaching, Gaudium et Spes 22, and profoundly significant for philosophy, he says. The confidence that is lacking in the search for truth today must be reawakened in at least a journey of discovery, harboring hope of fulfillment. And then faith can come to meet them, offering the concrete possibility of reaching the goal. We are offered a call to the fullness of truth, which offers a hope for renewal of culture. For the vocation of the human person is ultimately to know and to love God. That was known by Aristotle and Plato, as well as Augustine and Aquinas, but lost in the modern philosophy over the centuries of fascination with science and pragmatism and power. But faith will not detract from reason John Paul II invokes the seed of wisdom in the concluding section of Fides et Ratio, Mary, to exhort the reader to philosophize in Mary, because Mary lost none of her humanity in giving assent to Gabriel's word, so too when philosophy heeds the summons of the gospel truth, its autonomy is in no way impaired, he says. All the more may its inquiries rise to their highest expression. 
this very rich and suggestive invocation of Mary and the final references to vocation summarize the entire account of vocation of the philosopher in Fides et Ratio and give us a key, really, to seeing what Redemptor Hominus is all about. Unity of faith and reason will stimulate each other and the philosopher should be led to the truth of Christ because of the great mystery of the truth of his sacrificial love and the bestowing of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of truth, which awakens the heart to the even deeper truths about God and the human being. So, Philosophy, he says, must offer its rational and critical resources so that theology may be fruitful and creative. That's why the philosopher became Pope. He does help faith be understood in a way and leads to a fruitful and creative renewal of Catholic doctrine and the implementation of Vatican II. John Paul II named Thomas Aquinas the Doctor of Humanity when he renewed the charter of the Pontifical Academy of St. Thomas because he said St. Thomas would affirm the good or value of culture and truth wherever it's to be found. And most of all, because the assertions of the dignity of the human person and the use of reason must be cherished. And Thomas Aquinas, he said, above all, pondered that question, what is man, and developed such a significant philosophy of the human person. And that's why John Paul II adds with many others, many other popes throughout the centuries to esteem and express preference for the work of St. Thomas in recalling this vocation of philosophy and for the task of renewal and evangelization. So I think this combination of the subjective with the objective, the combining of a philosophy of being from St. Thomas with the lessons of phenomenology were very fruitful in his life. And as I said, we will see this in the encyclical we will start opening up in its depth, Redemptor Hominus. It is these combinations of faith and reason that I think are in some ways unique to John Paul II. In Fides et Ratio, he does praise Jacques Maritain, Gilson, Edith Stein, Cardinal Newman, and Rosmini as ones who have combined faith and reason in a way that shows that useful support, the mutual support of the two. Vatican II, he said, was a gift to the church, but it will only be implemented if we will deepen our awareness of the truths of faith and reform our attitudes 
about what it is to be a Christian in the modern world. And for this task, there is really no substitute, if you will, for philosophy, because philosophy combined with theology will yield the most fruitful harvest of wisdom and lead, as all Christian wisdom must, to the love of God and the love of man, which is the outflow, the overflow of contemplation. John Paul II, a man of prayer, was also a man of action and a man of reason. And that's part of his greatness. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.